0: Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the Cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the Cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the Cafe. So good to have you back here today. Hopefully, you are doing well today. I thank you so much for listening, for tuning in. It's another blessed day. Amen. It is another blessed day here at the cafe. I'm fired up. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll. Amen. I'll be honest with you. When I started preaching this morning, I didn't feel that good. And now I'm feeling great. I'm feeling fine. Amen. <laughs> My cup runneth over. I'm telling you, God's word. It's so good. The mystery of God. He's like, go teach this. And then when I teach it, I feel I'm the one getting blessed out of it. So I thank God for that. And hopefully you're finding a blessing in this too. We had a great episode yesterday on marriage and the importance of marriage, the sanctity of marriage. And how God calls the husband to cleave to his wife and to leave father and mother and conversely calls the wife, I'm assuming, to cleave to her husband and and to leave father and mother. But that's a very big order because we know uh, that the in-laws or so forth or our own parents often can meddle and disapprove or have their own ways, things that they see fit. But at the end of the day, this is the biblical mandate, that we are to be one flesh, to cling to one another. And because of this, amen, it's so important to take this relationship serious, you know, to take the idea of marriage very serious. And as a young person, I grew up, and I've spoke about this many times, really in the wake of sin. So the you know the, the sin boat passed by and there was a big wake behind it and all that stuff just cascaded down throughout my life. I mean, all kinds of divorce. Everybody I knew pretty much was divorced. Um, and then I remember one kid I went to school with who said, your parents are divorced. I see my dad less than you see yours. And my dad lived pretty far away and didn't see him too often. And I said, oh man. So I've seen broken homes. I've seen firsthand. I've lived in one. I've lived with single mom and grandma, lived with foster parents. I've lived in environments. I've seen divorce and divorce and divorce. And look, we need to make sure that we understand what marriage is before we run into it. Because I know for a lot of young people, and maybe they're zealous for the Lord and they say, look, I want to do what God says we should do. Let's just get married. And yes, that can, that can be good. And God's going to bless that. But let's make sure we understand the idea of being one flesh. We understand the idea of that agape love, that sacrificial love. I've heard it said that all fights come from pride, personal pride, and I believe that. So we understand that idea and we're we're prepared to set down our pride and our arrogance and our unruly ways and live for God first, and then by living for God first, we're able to live preferring our wife to ourselves, preferring her needs, and loving her. And that will then instill that obedience and submissiveness of her to us. And at a young age, it's very challenging to do that. Now, I do see some benefits of being young and being married. I got married when I was 33, which down south is pretty late. People were surprised. They said, is this your first marriage? I said, it better be. But yeah. And if you get married young, you have lots of energy. So that's good. Like if you had kids and you have a lot of energy, you can stay up late with them and you can get up early with them and so forth. And I was run down. So there's nothing wrong with that. But just be careful. Understand that marriage is a picture of how God saves us and how Jesus Christ. Uh, we are the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. What did he do? He laid his life down for the bride. Amen. He gave his very life for us to be saved. He acted obedient to the Father despite going through humiliation and and frustration and, 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 and dealing with problems beyond compare. Christ did it all for us. And the least that we can do is live for him and take this concept, idea of marriage very seriously. Like, Run it by a bunch of people before you go ahead and get married. Not just people, but godly people, godly counsel, amen, and the multitude of godly counsel, there's wisdom. And also go through Christian counseling, even if you guys have never had a fight. Go through Christian counseling first, amen. Make sure that this is a rock-solid deal before you get married. God, I believe, has someone special for you if you haven't been married. I believe that, and just wait on him and be wise. Don't rush into it. Okay. I think I got that across. We're going to take a short break. And then we're going to get to the last verse in uh, Genesis two, which deals with not being ashamed. Amen. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to KJV cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in depth Bible study. So here we have in the last verse of Genesis 2, we have verse 25. In the preceding verse, I'll read that, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So just in case you understand what both means, it says they're both naked. Specifically, the man's naked and the wife is naked, and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. Amen. Oh, I love that. There's so many places you can go with this. The most obvious is sin has not entered the picture yet. Sin has not entered the picture, right? And we see sin entering the picture right there. Literally the next verse, Genesis 3, and you understand that the Bible didn't originally have chapters. So this would have been like the very next verse of Genesis, but Genesis chapter 3 immediately deals. Oh, there's the serpent. Oh, he's subtle. But before the serpent entered the picture, The devil, the man and woman, they were there together. They were not ashamed. Amen. They were not ashamed. And so we see here so many things about um, sin, because sin makes us ashamed, doesn't it? You know, they were in the garden of life, they weren't ashamed. And here we see in Genesis 3, 8, it's the very next chapter. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now God is asking questions to make Adam answer them or to have Adam answer them and convict himself of his sin, God already knows what Adam did. And now Adam was afraid. Why was he afraid? Because he was naked. And again, so in Genesis 3, we see that he's afraid that he was naked. In Genesis 2, we see they were naked and they weren't ashamed. They were walking around and they were happy to be naked. Amen. It's just so it's so fascinating that we see such a clear picture of how good things were in the Garden of Eden. You know, shame is, is a difficult thing and it comes from living in sin. And just as Adam was ashamed for that, right, being naked, we are ashamed of our sin, even if we can't quite articulate it. I don't know that I was personally able to articulate it. I would hear preaching or songs or something about shame, and I wouldn't quite apply that to myself when I was feeling that way. I didn't know how to say it, but you feel down and you feel burden. You feel regret, and it's like this massive weight is lifted when you realize, when you're born again, when you're saved, that you no longer have to be ashamed. Amen. Romans five fourteen. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had sinned, not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. That's Romans five fourteen. First Corinthians one or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. And 1 Corinthians uh, fifteen forty-five. and so it is written the first man Adam was made a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So here we have these verses, okay, that's telling us, number one, even if you didn't sin like Adam, you're related to him, and, and sin has now been appropriated to you. You now have a sin debt. Even if you don't want to have it, you're sinful. You say, oh, well, I, I don't mean to be sinful. It doesn't matter. It's there. It's part of your DNA. It's who you are. You know, you you can look at young children who are innocent and loving beyond compare, and they are as sinful as can be. They will lie, they'll steal, they'll fight. I mean, that, that shows, the sin in, in all of us. Amen. So we see that all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. And then we see this comparison made that Adam, the first Adam is a symbol of sin and death. And the last Adam is Christ. And he is that quickening spirit. Amen. He's the one quickening means to make alive. He is the one that is making us alive. So Paul writes in Romans and 1 Corinthians that just, you can see this picture in the garden of Eden of sin entering in, of them quickly becoming ashamed, and of God entering in through Christ, and God's plan was before even creation, entering in through Christ to save mankind of their shame. Amen. We're even compelled not to be ashamed of the gospel. Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. And so shame is referenced in many ways here, but most importantly, we see that in God's perfect creation in the Garden of Eden, they weren't ashamed, right? They they had nothing to feel bad about. They had no guilt. And for the unbeliever, maybe we've got one or two listening. You know, if you, how how do you describe shame, right? How do you describe feeling shame if it weren't for what had happened? You know, if it's not sin, what is it, Right? Why are we programmed to feel a certain way about everything, right? Like today, if somebody was say at a park, because with Garden of Eden, is no longer there, but at a park and they were naked, they'd probably want to cover themselves up, right? They'd be ashamed, right? Because they're naked. And where does that come from? Like, where does that instinct come from? Oh, it's cultural. No, I don't think it's cultural, you know? I mean, you know, it's in within us. You take a child and put them in a bathtub a, a week out of being delivered, and they may start to do strokes in the water. I mean, it's like, how do they know to do that? As We, we had a young child in the bathtub. I said, how does a child know how to do that? Oh, I don't know. How about God? God made them with certain instincts, and God made us to be aware in some capacity of our sin, just as Adam and Eve were aware, and they were hiding from God in chapter 3. And yet, I don't want to take away from the beauty in chapter 2 of not being ashamed. Because again, I believe all of chapter 2 is a picture of God's perfect plan for mankind. Death was not there. That's what we see Paul saying, that death entered the picture through Adam. Death wasn't there. They were never going to die. They didn't even need clothes. Everything was perfect. They had each other. Everything was just wonderful. Like There was no need for anything because God provided everything, and there was no fear. There was no fear. Just like they weren't ashamed of being naked, they weren't ashamed of who they were, uh, where they came from, what they looked like, what they were doing each day. They weren't ashamed of those things because they were happy, right? They didn't. They didn't have to understand anything more than what God wanted them to understand. God didn't intend for them to have to deal with the curse of sin, and He didn't want that. But He allowed the devil to tempt them because. God gave man free will and God revealed something in man's heart. And that's why you'll often hear contemporary songs reference like, hey, if I would have done it too, you know, I would have been like Judas or I would have been like Adam and ate the fruit. And what? And sometimes I'll just ask myself, I don't know, would I have done those things? Here's what I do know, that it's in man to sin and that our nature is sinful. And that until Jesus Christ comes back, even saved, even regenerated, even sanctified, we still are Very, very, we're walking on very slippery slopes. We're very easily provoked. We're very easy to be tempted, amen? All of us are. We are held by God himself, and that's the only reason we don't fall into abject sin. But we have that nature about us, no matter what. And so what we need to do is trust the Lord, put our faith and our hope in him, and realize that his plan for us is to live in heaven with him where sin will not exist and where shame will not exist that we are no longer under condemnation, amen, that we've been freed from the sin curse, that that death no longer has a hold on us because we've accepted Christ as Savior for those that have accepted Christ. That once we accept Christ as Savior, we are now free from the bondage of sin. We are free from the curse of death. We are free from the shame that comes with it. That all sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. They're cast away in the sea of forgetfulness. Don't let the devil bring it up and try to hold it over your head. God has forgiven you by what Christ has done on the cross if you simply believe on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when you do that, you can restore a relationship with God like the one that Adam and Eve had in chapter two of Genesis where there was great fellowship, where there was great joy and there was no shame. What a wonderful thought. No shame, no no harm, no, no sadness, no sickness, no sorrow, amen, that it was just a perfect place. And don't I love the fact that Eden is a picture of heaven to come, but even greater heaven will be because we'll be there for an eternity and we'll be with God and have fellowship with him for those that have been saved. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to tell someone about Jesus if you've been saved so others could be there with you. Next uh, episode, we'll get to Genesis 3. I thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.